Forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. I'm your host, John Bird, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. This is the show for common sense and discerning minds. We're here to investigate, ask questions, and learn about what's going on in the world around us and talking to people who are making a difference. Today, I'm talking with my good friend, fellow expat and American, Charles David. He's going to talk to us about uh, some of what he knows from firsthand experience about COVID-19. And uh, we're also gonna talk about sort of the timeline of denial regarding the whole COVID narrative. Uh, should be an interesting show, so buckle up and uh, here we go. All right, Charles, welcome. Hey, John, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, thanks for taking the time to chat. So. A couple things I wanted to talk with you about. Uh, the, the first was sort of the, the timeline of denial regarding the whole COVID-19 narrative. Um, as far as the vaccine in particular, we've been hearing since day one that it's safe and effective. Um, I've been questioning that ever since we've looked at uh, studies from doctors who are questioning that. They're saying it's not as effective as we're being told by the establishment and Dr. Fauci. And indeed, in many cases, we're seeing that it can cause actual harm. Is it worth it? Uh, there is a document and I'm gonna pull it up here. If I can find the one that I sent you, Charles. Um, it was, I thought really interesting how the, the mainstream media has been in denial ever since there was the threat of some of those um, the, the clinical trials coming out and the, the fact that the FDA uh, working with Pfizer wanted to keep those sealed and from public view, which is interesting because this is of supreme uh, public interest and it should be um, public record. So, um, you know, why do you think they wanted to hide all these documents? Well, uh, I'll try not to be too cynical, but <laughs> you said it's in it's in the public interest. It's, no, it's not in their interest. Not in their um, interest, right? You know, it's in our interest, of course. But look, if we go back two years, we will find that the entire uh, charade, the pandemic, as we like to call it, has been orchestrated really to um, financially incentivize a particular industry, the pharmaceutical industry, at the expense of all else. So this has yeah. been a fraud. It's been a fraud that's been per uh, perpetrated at the highest levels. Um, and it does turn out that those highest levels are also the most unimpressive moronic people you could ever hope to have, you know, uh, the unpleasure of meeting. Yeah. And yet these are the people that somehow have gotten into positions of power and wormed their way up, uh, you know, like parasites that they are. The, yeah. the problem here is, uh, I said two years ago that you know, if you are going to try to have a, a flawed mental model about health, that, oh, we're going to use injections to prevent ourselves from getting respiratory infections and for natural cleansing processes that happen seasonally, you're just going to end up with a disaster. And to, to make things worse, 
if you're going to get rid of all the safety measures that normally need to happen for such a process in a pharmaceutical um, paradigm to happen, you're just asking for a massive amount of trouble. And everyone said, you can't say that, Charles, we're in a pandemic, uh, we're shutting you down, you're censored. So I was shut up by just about everyone. Yeah. And, and now, and that's, now here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. And it, it, more and more, I feel like we're being vindicated for the, the things that, that we believed, you know, we're, we're from, you know, the top clinical, uh, the top virologists, the top scientists, microbiologists, I've interviewed some of them, um, doctors all over the world were talking about um, you know, alternative treatments that were being um, censored or blocked. Uh, the fact that COVID-19 was not as deadly as we we're being led to believe by the, by the governments around the world or the mainstream media. And um, now we're seeing that the, in fact, the, the vaccine is probably more harmful than good. And, you know, there's been a big cover-up uh, like we said, you know, um, just recently there was a, a court order, there was a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act um, in the United States lawsuit against the FDA to release these documents that were uh, they were privy to well, from Pfizer. And they wanted to, uh, after they were ordered to release these documents from the clinical trials to see what actually happened, uh, they wanted to seal those documents for what, 75 years until 2097, something like that. And uh, the judge miraculously said, no, you're going to release them all uh, by March. And uh, I think we've gotten uh, most of them now are, are on uh, public um, with public access. And I'm going to provide some of those links too, so that listeners can do their own research. But I've been, you don't have to look very hard to, to document this and, and just do your own research, but I'm going to provide some links. I'm going to uh, put this up in the show notes on libertynow.com. But I wanted to get your comments on some of these uh, key dates. I'm just going through what the media said versus, you know, what's actually happening. Um, and Charles, you, you had a, a look at these too. Um, so April 30th, 2021, the uh, Pfizer post-marketing experience report was written up. Now, this was hidden from public view. And um, on table one, and this was part of the first tranche of documents that were re released, um, the judge ordered them to release, what, uh, 55,000 per month. Is that correct? Something like that? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And in table one on, I believe it was page 24 of this document, it, it shows right there, 1,223 deaths in the clinical trials. And um, out of what, 42,000, I think, cases where they were um, documenting it, is that right? Yeah, that was what is reported. Now, what's fascinating, John, is had this been any other pharmaceutical in history, do you know what would have happened right then and there? They would have stopped it. Immediately. Immediately. I mean, wasn't it in, back in, uh, I want to say, the late 50s, early 60s, when they were doing uh, polio vaccine trials? And I believe they had 200 deaths of children from the vaccine, and they stopped it immediately. That was it. Shut it down. And 
you know, this is just during the trials. How many more deaths have we seen worldwide oh. after the emergency authorization use? Well, it's a simple calculation. You know, you've got billions of doses that are administered and you have a death rate. So you just run the number and you can, you don't actually have to do the calculation because the insurance industry and the funeral industry by its booming nature is now telling us what's actually happening. It's, uh, it's actually fascinating. Yeah. And then we, we're going down the timeline now, November 22nd, 2021, WND reported that they um, got the files from the FDA and uh, reported 26,000 nervous system disorders from the Pfizer vaccine in the first two and a half months. And then uh, fast forward to December 17th, 2021, uh, one of the websites I pulled this from was Peckford 42 a blog. Uh, and very clearly they said Pfizer's own report condemns the vaccine, um, I'll, I'll provide a uh, link to that as well. And then coming up to uh, January 3rd, 2022, uh, we're starting to see the, the fact checkers now denying the, all the information hasn't quite come out yet. The first section of, of, um, of the report has been released, right? And the internet started exploding with this information there was an article uh, from December 19th, six-month Pfizer data show COVID vaccine causes more illness than it prevents. PolitiFact immediately comes out uh, on January 3rd and says that the claim that the Pfizer data shows vaccine does more harm than good is pants on fire lie, uh, completely denying it. Now we have the I believe all of the FDA and Pfizer uh, documents, which they wanted sealed until 2097, but they're now public record. And uh, now January 8th, 2022, uh, Reuters says uh, paramount importance, the judge orders FDA to hasten the release of the Pfizer documents. So now they're getting into scramble mode and uh, really panicking. Um, and again, I'll provide the link to these Pfizer documents. Uh, and now here we are, uh, March 9th, uh, 2022, Steve Kirsch uh, is going through very methodically, combing through the data, and he's not making any outrageous claims. He's being very careful of what he says. Um, but in his article, which I will provide the link to as well, uh, he points out things you should know about the Pfizer documents. And his key conclusion so far is that their data doesn't support their claims. And again, th this is what we've been saying for a year and a half now, right? At least. Yeah. Um, and you've been tracking this for just as long, Charles, um, and, and particularly because you're in the health industry too. Um, have you, how have you seen the, the media narrative change or has it? Oh, no, the media narrative is simply propaganda. And it, you know, it never changes. It always is, this is what you're supposed to do. And if you don't do it, well, you're a racist. And <laughs> right. if, if somehow that, how does you know, that come into and then, the debate? Oh, it's because, well, whatever it is, because they know that's what you're most afraid of. I mean, people call me a racist all the time. And I go, yeah, I'm a human racist. Uh, sure, whatever. Right. I, I laugh at them. It doesn't bother me at all. But a lot of people, it really scares. And, you know, if, if you're the kind of person who's scared, 
and you can be silenced by being called a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, or whatever. Um, well, then this is the weapon they use against you. It's very simple. So I just say, yeah, whatever. You know, you guys right. are a bunch of propagandists, and um, they never apologize, no matter how many times they're wrong. You know, Russia collusion, 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 collusion. Two years, all wrong. Oh, moving on. Yeah. COVID, 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 all wrong. Right. Doesn't matter. There's no apologizing because their business. The business model is very simple. You create reality in the framework in which you were instructed to do so by your masters. That's, yeah. That's what their job is. And we, we could do like a whole episode about that. Uh, you know, the, the media is so key in this. And I, I keep harping on that because it's our, you know, our primary source of information, right? For the people who just don't have the bandwidth, they're so busy with their, you know, day-to-day -day lives, it's understandable, but mm -hmm. they're just um, believing the, the traditional channels that they've always listened to, you know, your, your MSNBC, CNN, you know, most trusted news source, right? Um, most people don't have the, the time or the willingness to dig into these um, narratives or, or question, you know, what PolitiFact or some of these other organizations are, are saying, trying to debunk, you know, the truth that we've been putting out. And we, we really do need to be citizen journalists, um, you know, and, and the whole business model of the media now is the mainstream media is that fear sells, right? I mean, that was a direct quote from uh, one of the heads at CNN. They got some undercover video of that. Um, we played that a few episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, they were caught undercover on video by uh, Project Veritas. So, I mean, they know that, that that's what they're doing. And there, there is a, a deep psychological um, sort of mind game that they're, they're playing with us. You know, the mm. um, MK Ultra, you know, military grade propaganda is what we're being subjected to. And uh, there is a, a, a known, there known facts about like the amygdala, that part of the brain that is always on alert for, uh, you know, fear or danger. You know, it's a, it's a protective mechanism, right. you know, that keeps us safe, right? But when it's on high alert all the time, then it, it takes over your logical thought process, right? And so every, everything becomes an emotional argument. So rather well, than- this is, exactly, this is exactly why they call you the racist. Exactly. They turn everything exactly. into the and emotional that's, argument. That's what it all comes down to is if you can keep um, you know, people on edge, keep them in, in fear from COVID, keep them in fear from being labeled a racist or a bigot or anything else, then um, you, they, they don't have the, the mental capacity in a sense to really- question or think logically and they know what they're doing you know this that's just that's a fact so we have to back up to the fifty thousand yes. foot view and, and really stop take stock yeah. and question that's that's what i you must take personal to. responsibility for yes. creating your own reality if you do not take responsibility for your own actions, your own thoughts, your own deeds, and thereby creating your own reality, you are offloading that responsibility of the highest order to someone else who will fill it with what will benefit them and harm you. Yep. Guaranteed. 
it, there's a, an old saying that I love to tell my kids all the time to remind them too. It goes along with that sort of personal responsibility, but uh, you know, the saying that your mind is a garden and your thoughts are the seeds and you can either grow flowers or you can grow weeds. And if we don't consciously deliberately control, you know, what we're thinking about most of the time, the subconscious is always listening and steering us towards what we're, you know, thinking about. It, the, the subconscious doesn't really question. It just takes in the information and programs our um, actions and, and thoughts and, and guides us towards that, you know, kind of automatically. It's sort of an autopilot thing. So we need to deliberately feed the subconscious with, you know, positive information and, and the things that we really... Right want to think about and we also have to control our language it's another important thing that um you know people don't think about the meaning of words um and again there is the you know the left narrative has sort of hijacked terms like liberal and you know over the last i don't know 30 to 50 years it's it's sort of changed its meaning and you know liberal is is just like the idea of live and let live, right? And now it's become a sort of totalitarian control of, you know, liber the liberals are like, you have to believe this specific certain way. We, you believe what we believe, or, you know, it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just the opposite of, of what it used to well, be. Their strategy, John, is they keep changing the definition of the words right. they, you know, on the fly. It's an ever-moving target. Yeah. This is this is why someone said, well, how could somebody be so stupid as to buy into this narrative? I said, well, because they're hearing a word that they believe means one thing, that they have a, a mental model about, which they've never questioned. And it the whole, it's sort of like the whole stage has shifted. And that no longer means the same thing, but they haven't thought they haven't followed that. They've been unconscious. So now right. they've just been led down that little uh, goat path to uh you know, to La La Land, when they're now having myocarditis, their kids are dying, they've aborted their fetuses, and now they have all kinds of problems. So yeah, again, that, that sort of unconscious dream state. Um, I don't think people really realize how um, unconscious they are. They're just going through their routine, they don't stop to question every anything. And, uh, you know, that's why I've been, you know, hammering, you know, this pattern interrupt, I want to get people like, just shake them awake, just, just stop and question for a little bit and, and be conscious and think for yourself. Um, when you're spending so much time on the screen or watching TV, it's a known fact that when you stay in front of the TV after a while, there, there is a, a particular flicker rate that they know about that uh, the TV cycles through where when you sit and watch passively, you your brain waves go into, I believe it's beta, into a, like a semi-sleep. It's that sort of state between high alert consciousness and the asleep or dream state. It's that beta. You're you're conscious, you're you're aware, but you're very open to suggestion. And that's why you know commercials can be and programs can be so um, suggestive programming, right? Think about the word program yeah, at three o'clock like in the morning when you're half asleep. Right. You're like, oh, right. You of think course. you're awake. That's exactly what I need. 
Yeah, you're in a semi-dream state and you're really suggestible in that state. That's why we got to pull away from the screen time, get outside, you know, in, into reality. Mm. Um, so, Charles, I also wanted to talk about uh, you are, you know, uh, specifically you've been um, helping people to um, with their their health, you know, uh, physical and emotional, um, you know, recommending supplements and things like that. And you know very well the benefits of uh, things like ivermectin of, of particular sure. interest right now in the, the era of COVID. And you can tell us now from firsthand experience, right? You're just recovering, right? Sure. Well, I've been really fortunate. I haven't had any respiratory illness for well over half a decade, actually. And um, I, I did manage to come down with something, uh, whether it's COVID or not. I'm <laughs> uh, only a rat test could lie about that. Right. But the interesting thing is I, I did have traditional symptoms, uh, fever, uh, headache, sore throat, and my partner did as well. Yep. So, uh, you know, we had already had good nutrition and whatnot. So we, we didn't experience any particularly harsh symptoms. It felt more like a colder, kind of a combination cold flu um, that I've you know, all my life, starting when I was about two years old, I had a really bad flu in my life. I almost died. I remember wow. my dad saying, oh, it's just a flu. You'll be all right. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm going to die. So, you know, fine. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, the interesting thing about a coronavirus or, if you know, and again, I, I know I, I'm, I'm talking to people that are on both sides of the aisle here. There's germ theorists and there's terrain theorists. It doesn't really matter what we call these things whether these are detoxing events or whether these are um, processing events where your body needs to go through and, and do some cleansing or whether or not they're, they're externally triggered, it doesn't really matter because the pragmatics of it is the same. Uh, the way we rest, the way we recover, the way we get our health back right. uh, is creating the internal environment that supports the recovery process. Now, right. you mentioned... Uh, vitamin C. Vitamin C uh, is extremely useful during the first phase of a respiratory infection. If you think of it this way, your body goes through uh, a phase where it's trying to eliminate something that's causing it dis-ease, whether that is an infectious agent, as we always say, oh, it's a coronavirus or an influenza virus or, or not. Let's not, let's not Let's not fight that battle here today. But let's just say you're 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 dealing with something that's triggering a, a result in your body. You want to get it gone, yeah. so your body has a way of of handling that and, and getting rid of those toxins or those elements. So we call that the quote infectious stage of the disease. Okay, so you treat that. What works really well? Vitamin C. Now, when when I had my fever, I took one gram of vitamin C every ten minutes, and I just wow, kept really? taking it. <laughs> just kept taking it until the fever was gone. Uh, never hit bowel tolerance, somewhere around 35, 40 grams, never hit it. But um, as soon as the fever broke, your body just says, you don't need that vitamin C anymore. You can, you can taste it. Say, no, you don't need that anymore. You don't need the zinc. You don't need the vitamin C anymore. Done. So your body just kind of goes, okay. Now, at the same time, the ivermectin is a well-known anti-parasitic and antiviral treatment. So Wait, isn't that first... just like horse medicine or something? What I keep no. <laughs> so, so, so ivermectin comes from Avromycetes. It's an anti-parasitic, an anti-helminth actually, but in vitro and in vivo, it's really good at shutting down um, 
what these uh, these little uh, messenger RNAs and when they have to go through their transcription process in your cell, that machinery, there's a mechanism by which ivermectins work really well to kind of make that harder for that process to occur, it gives your body the upper hand. So yeah. at the first sign of symptoms, using either ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, which might even be better, there's different mechanisms by which these cellular biological processes occur, you can give your body the upper hand. Um, so combining the, the good nutrition, the vitamin D, the vitamin C, the zinc, the minerals, liquids, vegetable juice, if you can stomach it, yeah. water otherwise. Um, yeah, and, and in fact- Really help um, you to get through it. You, you brought up uh, hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Um, and I know that there was a study, I believe that Dr. Fauci was involved with or, or ran the study where they said hydroxychloroquine was um, completely ineffective. But my understanding is that they tried to, they, in the trials, they used that hydroxychloroquine alone. But isn't it um, the mechanism by which that works is that it helps to shuttle zinc into the system? Is that correct? Yeah. Well, there, were, there was. So a, you need to take little... zinc with it, I guess. Is the yeah, whole you point. do. But they didn't. Uh, they didn't really uh, do in the trial. Hydroxychloroquine is known as a zinc ionophore, and what that okay. means is it it opens the doorway for zinc into the cell, so the zinc can enter the cell more efficiently. So that has and then to your be cell uses the zinc to kill yeah. uh, what it needs to kill inside. Now, the fascinating thing is there was a lot of defrauding happening during uh, this COVID uh, pandemic, scamdemic. So for example, hydroxychloroquine, the, the standard dose of 200 milligrams has been known for decades. I mean, billions of doses of this has been given around the world. Every doctor who's ever used it knows what the right dose is. There's no question. Right. So when you see a trial being run with doses that are being given 10 and 20 times higher, and when you know that the uh, warning label on the packet says, yeah, you know, if you don't get the dose right, there are risks of, of uh, heart arrhythmias with this medication. So if you, if, you, if you double the dose, you're risking you know, having a problem. But if you go 10 times more, you're killing people. So you know, if you think about the people, they went so far as to kill people to try to discredit a medicine that everyone already knew how it worked. But Unbelievable. they weren't happy with that. They were like, no, we, we got to make this look really bad. We don't want anyone to know. We can't have any other options. You use a jab. You got to get this jab. That's it. We're making the jab. We're making money on this jab and nobody's going to get in our way. And that was the mindset going forward. So yeah, hydroxychloroquine, yeah. ivermectin, anything, anything that got in the way, even your witch doctor. I mean, if you had a local <laughs> witch doctor... And you went to that guy for psychological support, okay, <laughs> whatever it was, and that made you feel better. That was shut down. That guy's going to jail, right? Well, again, it's it it comes down to profit, right? The oh, yeah. emergency use use authorization would never have happened if there were alternatives, you know, that were effective. And well, right. in and fact, it never should were, have happened. But they weren't there allowed were. to be uh, used. In fact, doctors were prohibited from using it worldwide. Doctors lost their jobs over it because they yes. knew how effective these treatments were. But the pharmaceutical machine monster, uh, Pfizer and the rest, wanted to, uh, they, they wouldn't have profited from those inexpensive, um, off, uh, they're, they're um, off patent now too, right? So anybody can make it. Oh, yeah. I mean, my God, so, you get ivermectin for if, if you didn't have to pay the incredible 
courier fees to get it in the places like New Zealand. You can get it for like 20, 20 cents or even two cents in the U.S. for 12 milligram tablets of these things. Right. It's unbelievable. And but, you know, you're going to end up paying $10 a tablet for that stuff here. Right. But Big Pharma doesn't make any but that's money still less that, that, so. that's No, but that's still less than remdesivir, which is guaranteed to kill your kidneys and, and kill you. Right. At $3,000 a dose. So, so we talked about the, that uh, respiratory infections tend to proceed on in stages. So you have this first stage where your body's responding to something, you know, fighting a virus or, or clearing out some toxins or whatever it's doing. But then you have what's called the, uh, the cleanup phase, you know, like after a battle, there's a lot of stuff laying around that needs to be cleaned up. Right. So your body, think of it this way, your body is mounted this, this immune response and done, and done its process, but oftentimes it can be very efficient in doing that and it, and it can you know leave a lot of rubble in its path right. so after people have had covid or a flu or a cold or something like that they can often will find themselves in a state of very high inflammation now again let's just assume like there was a virus there and that your body was fighting it off we'll just use that as a a model okay now the virus is gone whatever it was it's gone it's not there right. anymore but now your body your lungs are inflamed your epithelial cells are inflamed, everything, all this inflammation running around your body, you're in what the uh, frontline critical care physicians say, you're in stage two, the inflammatory stage of, right. the, of the disease. So what do you do? Uh, this is where steroids are really effective. Now, methylprednisolone uh, yes. is a really good one, typically only available in hospitals, but not available in every country. You're not going to find it here, unfortunately, um, no. at least not very easily. You will but find what? prednisone, which is which is uh, which is an acceptable alternative. Okay, um, what, what uh, for the people in New Zealand, uh, where we do we sort of limited on what we have access to here. Uh, yeah, you have what, the format. Is there so. anything over the counter they can get, or or anything? No, you you have to, to go, and this is where it's for your doctor. Absolutely critical. You talk to your GP ahead of time, and you make sure you got some prednisone sitting around, so that okay. after. And this is critical. This is absolutely critical. You have to listen to your body, just like with the story about taking the vitamin C. When your fever breaks, you don't just keep taking it until you're sitting on the toilet with diarrhea, right? You you don't need it anymore. You do not take uh, these steroids during the first stage of the infection because you will interrupt that first stage and cause yourself great harm. So there is a time and a place to all there is a season. So once you've cleared the first stage of this process, and now you're in the inflammatory stage. Now is the time to treat with the steroids and only if you have high level of inflammation. If there is no high level of inflammation, for example, if you don't have a, a heaviness in your chest and a burning residual cough, a bronchitis happening, then you don't need it, right? Right. It's for people like for me who have asthma and bronchitis, I've had it all my life. I know this is what I need to, to deal with when I have a in, in, uh, respiratory infection. In all cases, it always goes the same way. So I know my body, but you need to know your body and you need to know when to do this and if it's appropriate to do so. So right. using things at the wrong time, it yeah, can you be even do worse than doing nothing to at your all. Doctor, um, yes. But it, it really helps to be informed when you talk to your doctor and ask. I was right going to say, you have to go in as the smartest person in the room when you talk to your doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But truly. So, for example, when I talked to my doctor, I said, look, back in the States, 
I used to get these pred packs, which is this prednisone, and it was all preformed. So you'd have like six, five, four, three, two, one, you could stage it. Sometimes you just take like, you know, let's say you have uh, three milligram things, you could take like six, 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 that means you have 18 of them, or five, five, and five, whatever you think the dose that tends to work. You don't, you don't need a high dose, you need the, the minimal dose that works for you. And with right. experience, you learn that. But you know, like with prednisone, if you have bronchitis, a dose of 30 milligrams, three times, you usually knock it out. Maybe if you need to go six days, it's fine. Uh, you don't ever want to be on these things long term, and you need to yes, wean off. Yeah, all yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, um, I think with, the cost benefit any... analysis is in a short window there. Yeah, yeah. So that's the the two primary stages, and then the yes. third stage would be recovery. Yeah, well, there's a third stage that sometimes you know for people that end up in the intensive care unit, they end up with the clotting and the bleeding disorders, and that is a carry on from the cytokine and the bradykine storms and the inflammation. So if you think about uh, a couple of things happen during this massive inflammatory stage, you get, um, you get different cells like the white blood, the macrophage activating syndrome in, in, your, in your lungs. You can start building a pneumonia in your lungs out of inflammation alone. There's no infection, infection there. You're just actually creating a really bad situation for yourself. That's where you're you know, saturation levels of O2 drop. And again, the, the steroids prevent that from happening. Now, untreated, you'll have these problems. You'll have your pneumonias. You have your low blood, out, um, the low blood oxygen levels. And then you, you might start having bleeding disorders when the clotting factors are all uh, screwed up. So if you start having that, now you're in real trouble. Yeah. So you don't want to get to that level. No, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see that you've recovered and you're doing well. Um, and I, I know my sister, in fact, and uh, my nephew uh, recently have recovered from COVID. Yep. Um, and the worst thing that uh, my sister got was a, a bit of a rash. And I think that may have been aggravated by like yeah. a, a pre-existing eczema. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one of the common things people get. But uh, she, my mom I don't recovered think she was from even it. Bedridden at all? I think she no. was, you know, up and about the entire time. She felt I, she might have spent, you know, one day resting. But um, yeah, it's it's as long as you don't have, you know, major comorbidities, um, you know. But that's it. If you don't have the diabetes, if you don't have the uh, metabolic syndrome, obesity, um, you know, cancer, heart disease. Yeah, yeah. You'd be uh, it's, my it's mom's ninety three, and she's oh, healthy. Wow. Yeah, she said she said it felt like a cold for two and a half, three weeks. And then uh, she ended up getting a little prednisone to knock her cough out. And she said, Oh, yeah, fine. Like, no big deal. She said, why, why is everybody worked up about this? She said, I don't understand. She's 93. She's 93 <laughs> years old. She told me I was being, I said, Oh, I said, I, I have a bit of a fever. She's ah, shut up. She said, What's the matter with you? <laughs> wow, go mom. You're younger than me. I was like, I know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Well, Charles, uh, I would like to be able to uh, send people your way. Uh, is, how, how would people get a hold of you if they have any questions? Well, so or, the, or like to there's learn easy more? ways to contact me. Um, easy ways is you go to my uh, website, healthybeingsystems.com. You can okay. email me. There, I have a, a web contact sheet there. You can use uh, Facebook or MeWe. Uh, my phone number is on the webpage. So if you want to call me, just go to my webpage and you'll see my phone number. Call awesome. Me. Awesome. Um, and if you have any documents or um, information that you'd like to share, I will throw those in the show notes as well. Uh, folks, you can go to libertynow.com and uh, get the links that we've talked about. And until next time, do the right thing 
and keep asking questions. 